You can follow along on page six in your bulletin. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and to talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. I'm Yancey, I'm one of the pastors here. So delighted to be with you today, this beautiful Lord's Day. As we continue, I guess we're about to end today, our journey through the book of Acts. We come down to the last portion of this letter, which is about God's faithfulness to his people. Uh, It's a continuation of the work of Jesus Christ uh, in his life and how God has poured out his spirit that people everywhere will learn about who he is. And so it's been a joy to move through this this book here, written by Luke, a faithful historian, to tell us about the early church and the work of God and how the gospel spread even to us. This is part of our history. This is part of our heritage by faith. And so let's take a look at how God is continuing to open doors wide for the gospel of grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for how you are faithful to your promises. God, they are indeed new. Your mercies are new every morning. Your compassion, Father, doesn't fail us. We can expect it. And so we pray in this hour that we do expect it as well, that you will change our hearts to be more like the son that you love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, 
Joyce and Hay were talking one day, and they were speaking uh, about the relationship that Joyce saw in her parents, because Hay was her mother. And she recognized they had this unusual uh, display of affection because within their culture context, men and women didn't act like that within marriage. Uh, everything was just simple, and there was no public displays of affection. And Hay began to tell Joy that, you know, when I was in my country and I was growing up, there was a missionary couple that would have Bible study in their home, and they invited me and others in. And I observed that their way of life, their relationship was different from how my mom and dad interacted. And so she decided right then and there that, Lord, I want that type of relationship, preferably one day with my husband, not to follow the traditions of the culture, but to really attune and, and listen to how we can love each other even, even deeper. And so she went on to tell her about how she, you know, she and her husband began to say things like, I love you which she didn't usually say, or thank you, simple gestures like that, or even I'm sorry. And so she first tried it, and after she got married, she said, I love you. There was silence. Her husband didn't say anything back. And she proceeded to try again and again, day after day, and finally he said, after she said I love you, okay. And then it progressed on, to where she asked him, said, you know, I like saying I love you to you. Can you say it back? I'll try. So eventually, he did begin to say, I love you. And they did begin to say things like thank you for taking out the trash or doing the dishes. Something simple, but not taking it for granted. You know, looking at those acts of appreciation for one another and driving deeper in their relationship towards one another. Really listening to the cry of the soul. Because we, we need that. But we also recognize that it is indeed hard to listen at time. It's hard to give ear when you have been stuck in traditions. It's hard to let go of a way of life or doing things that seem right to you, like second nature to you. It's, it's hard to be flexible in the hand of God. But he opens us up to consider other options and ways to grow. Individually, we believe at times I am who I am. I'm, I'm not changing. I've always been like that. That's who, that's who I am. We hear things like that. We may say things like that. Or culturally, we, we say, well, our people don't do that. Like one of my friends said, black people don't swim. I was like, okay, all right. And then we were planning this ski trip back in college, and he said, black people don't ski. I'm like, all right. Next thing you're going to say is black people can't jump or something like that, right? <laughs> But, you know, he was close to the idea. He was close to the idea and didn't allow room in his imagination for some of the experiences that he, he never tried before. He never opened up to come around to these things in his life. And so in Acts, Luke leads us to this point of seeing that we must listen to the Spirit's invitation to believe. We must listen to him. He says right here of the Gentiles, verse 28, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. 
What was going on? God's people had stopped listening to him long ago. And so throughout this book of Acts, we see that Paul three times had this Jewish opposition. And he turned to the Gentiles. He was there in Poseidon Antioch in chapter 13 of Acts. He and Barnabas, they spoke boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be first spoken to who? The Jews, the people that God had entrusted his word to. Since you thrust aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. We're turning to the nations, people, other peoples around us that do not have the word of God. Their eyes have not been opened to it. And then we see in Corinth as well, the Jews opposing them, reviling them. So Paul had to shake out his garments and he said to them, your blood be on your own heads. You know, perhaps Paul had had enough then, right? It's like, hey, I've done what I can do to, to convince you that this is true. It's written here. Our people have attested this, that Jesus is the Messiah. Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent, he said. For now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Go to other peoples that God has his heart on. Same thing happened in Ephesus. For three months, he was in the synagogue, speaking boldly the word of God, reasoning, persuading them about the kingdom. And granted, some people believe God opened their eyes. But when some continue to be stubborn, and didn't believe, they began to speak evil of the way. They went even further than just unbelief. They went to speak evil. And so Paul went to the hall of Tyrannus, and he began to teach people, all who would come, about the mercies of God. And so we see him now, this fourth time in the book of Acts, before the people of God, and he has to turn away. To the Gentiles, he said, they will listen. They have opened wide their hearts to the word of God. God has created in them opportunities to listen to the gospel. He's showing them that this gospel has been unleashed upon them, upon the world, so that they may see him and know him as father. Also, God have us recognize that the gospel is even unhindered by the opposition of the Jews and others that may come up against it. And we recognize that the gospel cannot be tamed by man. It's untamable. So we see here, it's unleashed into the world. Paul says in verse 20, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you. So he's talking to the Jewish leaders here. I've asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm weary, that I'm wearing this chain. So Paul was bound. The whole idea was that God was taking him to Rome. God had told him in visions and dreams over and over again that I'm taking you before Caesar. I'm taking you to Rome. And here he is. Paul didn't waste any time to speak to the local leaders after he got off the boat. About three days, he called them all together. And he began to talk about how God's word you know, how God's word is the, the, the hope of Israel through Jesus. And so Paul tells them, he said, look, brothers, I don't have anything against our people or against our customs. And all, matter of fact, you know, the Romans wished for me to be free when I was in Jerusalem and Caesarea. But there was opposition 
from our people. And so what did I do? I appealed to Caesar. This is how God worked it out in his life. They, they pushed against him. He said, okay, I'm, I'm appealing to Caesar. I'm going to him. And it's going to be an opportunity for me to share the love of God, the gospel, to the Gentile. And so he's a prisoner here. He's believing in the hope of Israel. Now God has opened the door for him to share with these leaders that he's brought together. We de- they said, we desire to hear from you about what your views are. Because they didn't know about what happened in Jerusalem before he, six months prior before he came. He did, they didn't know about uh, the, the, the arguments and, and how he was on trial. They hadn't heard about those things yet. But they had heard about the way. The Christians who was going out spreading the love of Jesus. Even in this area, there were Christians that knew the Lord and had come to him. And they said, we haven't received anything from Jerusalem or Judea about you. And so we see Paul here. He's in chains. He has a Roman guard next to him. He's on house arrest. You know, he has his ankle bracelet on, if you will. And so he's chained, but the word of God is not chained. It's not changed. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy, hey, you remember Jesus Christ, Timothy, raised from the dead, descended from David? This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained, he says. Therefore, endure. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, God's ordained people, God, people that God will be calling into the fold. They too may obtain, obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know, over the years, you hear about our people, meaning those missionaries who are in some hard situations, situations where they're being persecuted. And one missionary was somewhere in Asia, and he was in a prison. And he, they didn't want them singing any hymns. They didn't want them talking to each other. They did not want them even speaking the name of Jesus. And so there he was in his cell. But somebody had to clean up the cesspool out there. Somebody had to clean up that mess. And he said, I'll go. I'll go and clean it up. And so he went and cleaned out that cesspool. It's something that they had to do on a recurring fashion. So he chose to go. And guess what he did when he was there? He was singing hymns to the top of his voice as loud as he could sing them because they weren't coming in the cesspool. They refused to go in there. So that he would, that was his opportunity to sing of the praise and the love of God. The gospel being unchained in that situation for him. Are you free today? Has something gotten hold of you that's blocking you from this unleashed gospel of grace? Has something cut in on you today or this weekend that has brought shame in your life to where you feel like, God, I don't, I don't know if I can come into deep fellowship with you. I'm glad you're here this morning. Maybe that is a sign to you that God is still your God, that he still loves you this morning. That there's nothing that can separate you from his love. And he's called you back into fellowship with him this morning with his people. Be free. Be unleashed for the glory of God. This is his gospel for us. And also we see here that the gospel is unhindered. 
throughout the book of Acts is unhindered by the opposition that Paul came under over and over again. Verse 23, when they had appointed a day for him, they were talking about going into their second meeting here with the leaders. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to, to him at his lodging in great numbers. For, from morning to evening, he expounded to them, testified to the kingdom of God, trying to convince and persuade them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets throughout the whole Old Testament. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. The gospel was unhindered to bring Paul in the face of opposition to this point, to Rome, to speak to these high leaders in this Jewish community. Jesus told him that, look, I'm making my people witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. And even in Acts 19, the spirit proclaiming that, Paul, you must go to Rome. In Acts 23, you know, the spirit come and encouraging Paul, take courage. For as you testify to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must, not you will, but you must testify also in Rome. And then Paul appeal, appeals to Caesar. He wants to go before him because he believes that this unhindered gospel of grace is the power of God for anybody who will believe. First to his people that he is before now and also to the Gentiles. And so there's Paul, willing, ready to step into the gap to share this gospel. It's unhindered. He's not worried about the opposition that he will face. Only if he has a chance to share the message, to speak of Jesus to speak of all that he's done in his life. We see this throughout uh, Hebrews 11. We see this great hall of faith. You know, some people being sawed in two for their faith. Some people barely escaping death. Some people flourishing in the faith. Unhindered, no matter what. Because we're one people. We're one people. And there are many of us. There are many sons and daughters that Jesus is bringing into the fold. But it seems like today that you know, our world pushes so hard against us. It feels like we can't keep up with the current trends and the things that are going on. Our hearts are, are broken by the atrocities of the world. We know what's going on everywhere, almost as if it's overwhelming for the people of God. And sometimes we may be in a place where we doubt that Jesus is really redeeming us. That's when we have to recognize our history, that the gospel has been unhindered to come even to Washington, D.C. This is the uttermost part of the world from where we began. And it will continue to go out. And even Paul, we see in the same chapter previously uh, that he, you know, leaving from Jerusalem on a ship, he was shipwrecked. Folks wasn't listening to him on the boat, said, let's rest here for the winter. They proceeded on. And so Paul told them, he had to tell them, don't even jump off the boat. If you want to be saved, we all must stay. And God created a great opportunity for, for him to share the gospel with about 241 people on that boat. And when they were shipwrecked, God just tore the boat up. Not one person was lost. They all came through to the island and they were saved. 
And we see Paul being unhindered here by the spirit. The spirit is taking him forward. He's on this island and the people see that a viper got a hold of his hand. It's like he, we're waiting to see. Let's see how long he will last. And he didn't die. And so they, they wanted to worship him. But instead, Paul had opportunity to share the God who keeps him, the God that perseveres him, the God who he stands for unhindered in the face of opposition. The salvation of God is unhindered in our lives, too. Some of us have had times that we have made shipwreck of our faith. We have desired to compromise on our relationship with God. God surely God, God surely said you must not have sexual relations before marriage. Instead, some of us have moved ahead, sworn to the other person to secrecy. We must not tell anybody. In due time, just like a loving father always does, he brings us to confession that we may have right fellowship with him and accountability with our community. It's not enough that we just confess before God. God wants a public confession with another brother for accountability, accountability with another sisters. When we hide from the face of God, brothers and sisters, we are unable to disclose the full smile of God to others. It's almost as if we're hindering our own faith. But God would not have you stay there. Someone else may have just encountered a challenge and then another challenge on top of that. It could be a death of a loved one that you just have experienced. And then piled on top of that, your own health problems. And then on top of that, maybe a failing relationship in your family. And on top of that, just your general anxiety and worry about carrying the things of the day. It could be a lot of things that seems like they're hindering you from your fellowship with the Father, from believing in the gospel of grace. But there's nothing, not one thing, that can stop you from experiencing the kindness of God. Because that does not come from us. It comes from him, the spirit that is within us, based on what Christ has done. God is still good. God is still with you on that rocky boat in your situation. And he's with you after your moral failure. He will deliver as promised. He said he would. For those that are in Christ, the gospel has been unleashed in your life that you would know the freedom from your burdens. And the gospel is unhindered in him, in your life, to make you more like Christ. And the gospel, and the gospel, lastly, is something that is untamed. It's untamed by men. And so Paul shares the gospel with these Jewish leaders. And verse 25, after disagreeing among themselves, because remember, some believed and others didn't believe. And so they had a disagreement among themselves and they began to depart after Paul made this one statement. It's pretty bold. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but you will never perceive. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Why? For this people's hearts has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, they have been closed. Lest they would see with their eyes 
and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn to God. And this is God's promise. I will heal them. So the Jews thought they had a grasp on God. It was the same thing when Jesus was alive. They thought they had a grasp on the traditions of their fathers because that's just what they were, traditions and not the commandment of God. They were refusing to believe in their hearts, refusing to give their hearts to their first love, who was God, who pursued them, refusing to love. They were ready instead to give the fine points on their arguments instead of moving with affection towards one another. They were ready to stand on a hot topic of the day and, and it's ready to stand in their view instead of embracing one another. They shut others out when they, when, when they do not move towards them with a gaze of acceptance and the embrace that are with them. So they shut people out. If you're not with me, you're against me. Paul is inviting them through this encounter, through the convincing message about the best inheritance that they can have in God, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. He is your Messiah. Here's the evidence right here. He's your everlasting affection. God is ready to embrace us. He's ready to embrace the other that's in our midst. God does not shut people out, but he comes to them. He paves a way for them. He has his gaze of acceptance and willing embrace to be with them, not to move against them. So what happened? So the people here were hearing what they wanted to hear with their itching ears, but never understanding the ways of God. They were seeing with their eyes, but refusing to accept the mercies of God that was clear before them in the scriptures. And after a while, the consequences sat in, right? Growing dull at heart. Barely hearing true truth and with their eyes shutting out the light of God's grace. Unless they would indeed repent, turn to the living God, having eyes to see as they stand in the countenance of truth and having ears to hear the Savior's voice. Their challenge was a challenge of their hearts that they were refusing to give to God. They felt like they didn't need him. But they indeed needed new hearts from God. You know, at one time, I too tried to tame love. I found myself thinking that I had figured out Crystal. We were there in the counseling office, and I have this figured out. You know, I have the answers. I was there. I wasn't, I thought, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm telling her everything that is right and true. It should work out, but what I, what I wasn't doing, I wasn't giving her my heart in that moment. I wasn't talking about my feelings and how I felt. I was indeed just rationalizing, intellectualizing our relationship. I was asking her to do more than I was willing to do. God was calling me to be and to love to the point what I will become vulnerable and disclose the soft spots in my own heart. I didn't want to. I was afraid of losing my position as if we were supposed to be at war. It felt good to be strong and not have to give my heart. I learned that without confessing my need to her, my limitations, my weakness before her, 
I could not enjoy the deeper intimacy that God was promising that I could have, not only with Crystal, but with others and with God himself. I was shutting out God by closing my heart to him. Have you been in that place? God has given you some pretty cool skills and gifts, and then you turn around and you say, you know, I don't want to loosen up in this area. I have it figured out, God. No, God, I'm all right. You know, I, I'm all right. I, I don't have to give more time. More, I don't have to give more uh, to the life of the church. Matter of fact, it's becoming a burden anyway, God. Why, why do I have to go to my life group? Why do I have to do all these things? God has his heart turned towards you. He wants the gospel to be unhindered in your life. So he puts you in places where you will be ready to learn from him, where you've been giving yourself to the people of God, where you can realize more, yes, your limitations, but the Spirit's power in your life so that the light of your countenance can shine for Christ and not for yourself. So we must not be like the opposition and creating hindrances for ourselves in the glory of God. And so we see the untamable lion from the tribe of Judah, Jesus. We see him on earth, indeed, unleashing the gospel of grace to his people. We see him moving towards people, becoming tired, but yet trusting in God. We see him with the religious leaders and him being ever so kind to them. He is the bright and morning star, the Bible says. He's the root of Jesse. And so Jesus, instead of standing on his strength, he humbled himself, right? Becoming as a man, listening to his father, willing to obey him. Jesus became, instead of a lamb, I mean, instead of a lion, a lamb for the slaughter. But to the watching world, he is the vilest creature on earth, a criminal. He, he must have done something. He's up there on that cross. Look at him. Get yourself down from here now. People mocked him and jeered him. The watching world was confused by what was happening. But they were making their accusations still. To those that know him, Jesus is the precious Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Through the resurrection from the dead, Jesus is the rightful shepherd of our souls. For those that believe in him, we listen to his voice. And follow him. He unleashes us into the world to spread his message of hope. We listen to his voice because he is with us every step of the way. We may be at times afraid of the untamable lamb of God or lion from the tribe of Judah. We may be at times afraid to come back into right fellowship with him. But remember, he's gentle and lowly in heart. He has his best interest out for you so you can come to him. Luke ends this portion of scripture showing us that Paul for two years lived at his own expense and he welcomed all who came to him and he proclaimed the kingdom of God, teaching about Jesus with boldness. He was unleashed to preach about him and without hindrance as well. And we see this theme throughout the book. 
So as many who would give ear to the gospel, Paul proclaimed the good news about the kingdom and our Lord. So this is the message that is unleashed into the world and gaining traction by the power of the spirit still to this day. There are many more coming to faith. This is a message without hindrance in the world, even in the face of great opposition that you may face on your workplace. We may face in our community. It will continue to go out in the face of those who oppose the cross and the resurrection. Who can indeed domesticate and tame such a message? God will not be tamed by us. We don't have him figured out. He called us to respond to him by faith. To do so, to try to tame God, is to claim that you're in control and not him. But as one commentator puts it, all of this is the work of an active God. God has been directing events throughout the book of Acts. God has set forth a call for mission. God has given his spirit. God has directed the church to the Gentiles. God has called Paul with Barnabas and then sent Paul to Jerusalem and Rome. God protected Paul as he brought the word there as God's faithful witnesses. God can be trusted and his calling is to be followed. Paul shows us that the combination of divine aid and human faithfulness to God's calling is powerful. So we see the common denominator of who's the unmovable mover in all these situations is God. He shows up to bring his gospel of grace, this good news about Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, to show us that he is with us every step of the way. This message is foolish to some and a stumbling block to others. So we must listen to his voice no matter what. In a, in a life filled with attention, we must listen to him. We must open our hearts continually wide to his mercies and follow him with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and with all our strength. And we must love our neighbors as ourselves. This is the gospel of our Lord. This is, this is love over us. He has opened the door wide for us to walk through and even to bring many sons to glory through the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. This is a high privilege. We thank you, Lord. We are humbled by it. We see that you are indeed, you have your gaze upon us. So help us to listen to you, oh God, and to follow you in your ways. Thank you for this privilege. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing unto our Lord.